Welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. My guest this week is a recovering compulsive gambler. He wrote the book titled Never Enough Zeros, a tale of tragedy and inspiration in the struggle against gambling addiction. He's here to talk about all the pitfalls he fell into and to hopefully help you avoid falling into the same ones. Please welcome Joel Sopa. Joel, thanks for coming on. Thank you, Spanky. Big fan of yours, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Awesome, brother. So, Joel, I don't want to really go through a whole you know, biography and everything because you have a book out, and we want people to buy the book and kind of learn it themselves. But let's talk about the first time you ever encountered gambling and what that feeling was like. Well, Spanky, I've been uh, in gambling since the age of 16. And uh, my first winner actually wasn't in sports. It was on a horse, although sports was my my downfall my whole life. But I was working for a bookmaker in uh, Detroit, Michigan. And uh, they used to go to the track and they would sit in the clubhouse. And believe it or not, they would book bets right from the clubhouse. So instead of people going to the window, they would go to my bookie to make the bets. Well, anyways, I was underage, but I was able to sneak my way into the racetrack and then sneak my way into the clubhouse. So this particular day, I had a horse that they gave me called Bring On The Rain. It was a six to one shot. And I said, you know what? I'm going to let it ride. I'm going to put $20 right on the nose to win. So I had uh, one of the guys there place the bet for me. And as fate would have it, they turned for home. And my horse, Bring On The Rain, is winning and wins the race by three lengths and it actually started raining as well and that was it i was it's always you always and and so many stories you always win that first bet and um essentially that's the beginning of the end okay you're hooked you the rain was brought on literally and figuratively (laughs) at that at the track that fateful day so now you're hooked, Joel. Um, what makes you now? Let's talk about this progression on having this as a little hobby that most people do versus right. to try to get to it. Oh, man, I just can't stop myself. Take me baby steps on how that progression came to be. Great question, Spanky. I can do that for you. So as I said, I'm 16. I'm working for the bookmaker. I'm writing down bets and I'm, you know, learning a lot from the book. And he tells me as uh, the, the bets were coming in one day, I think the, uh, the Cowboys were playing. Uh, I don't remember, maybe the giants or something. And he, he tells me, he goes, remember, he goes, all the suckers bet favorites and overs. And he's like, as long as you bet unders and underdogs, you're going to have a really nice living. And I, I took those words of uh, wisdom, so to speak, mm-hmm. and um, I utilized them. Unfortunately, it didn't work out too well for me, but that was my, my advice from the book. So now I start betting. I'm 16. I'm betting one game a day, probably for like 
$50 back then. Fast forward to a couple years later, now I'm in college, I'm betting three or four games a day for about $200 a piece. Now, now wait a minute, if you're betting $200, you're, you're probably putting close to a diamond action a day. How do you have this kind of money? What, another um, good, another good question. Yeah, and this is, this is a reoccurring event in my life. Is that I am dealing drugs. Okay, so mm-hmm. I am dealing cocaine at Western Michigan University, and I'm making good money, which all goes to feed my gambling habit. And unfortunately, at the end of my freshman year, I get pinched. And it was during the whole white boy Rick thing, because that's who I was essentially getting my my drugs from. And I got a charge of conspiracy to possess two and a half ounces of cocaine. Now, again, as you go through my life and go through my story, another reoccurring thing happens. I always get lucky and don't go to jail for long periods of time. So in this particular case, my lawyer did an internship for the judge. And instead of going to jail like everybody else for a couple of years, I got lifetime probation. So I never went to jail. And then, so now. Let's back up because this is a lot to digest here. White boy, Rick, you're dealing drugs. Um, You know, that's, um, you know, do you think that you go down that rabbit hole of dealing drugs if you don't have this gambling habit? Or did you, you know, because, you know, being a drug dealer, you're not a good guy, right? You're ruining lives. Exactly. Uh, Whereas, you know, if you're a compulsive, you're ruining your own life. It's a different, big difference here. Did you, do, do you believe that you would have never went down that rabbit hole of being a drug dealer if you didn't have this sickness of being a compulsive gambler? Thank you. 150%. There, there's no way I would have done any of the things that I've done my whole entire adult life if it wasn't for the sports gambling. Every mistake, every bad decision has been predicated by my addiction to bet on sports. So getting back to your initial question, now, you know, let's go to my early 20s. I, I moved to San Diego, California, and I start my first business called Aerations Only. Now, I have the ability to sell. I have the verbal skills that pay the bills. And I have this unique ability to be able to sell anything to anybody. And as you would imagine, my business did very well. So now I'm generating a lot of revenue. Myself, personally, I'm making three to five grand a day. Now, I'm not trying to be braggadocious. This is all facts. But in turn, my gambling is about seven grand a day. At this point now, I got a couple bookmakers that I'm betting with. And I'm paying them. You know, I'm losing, you know, each week. And I'm paying them. And I'm probably betting at this point maybe about eight to 10 games a day, okay? For approximately, you know, anywhere between 1,000 to 1,500 a day. Um, so that goes on for a while. And I, I'm able to do the gambling. I'm able to do my business and get away with it for years and years. Well, finally, it catches up to me in 2015. At this point, you know, I'm probably betting about uh, – 30 games a day and I'm betting maybe about, I don't know, 10,000 a day. 
So I get into the hole with about 10,000 a day total or 10,000 a game? No, about 10,000 a day. Gotcha. Okay. okay gotcha. Yes. So the numbers, they, they keep going up as the years go on. So now I'm, I'm into a couple guys, actually three guys for about, I'd say close to about a million and a half. So that's what I owe on the street. And back in the day, I don't know if they still do this, but a lot of times if the bookie can't collect, they sell your, your debt for maybe 10 cents on the dollar. You know, you got collectors, you got Shylocks, you got all, the whole gamut that's going to come and get their money. So at this point, I'm getting my ribs cracked. I'm ending up in the hospital. I've had guns to my head calling me a, a degenerate, a loser, the whole nine yards. Because as a compulsive sports gambler, we always got some sort of story to stall and try to get an extra week. So I was forced to sell my business that I started from scratch and I sold it for $3.2 I end up paying them all back. And I had about, I don't know, maybe about 1.5, 1.7 left over. And Spanky, I get the great idea of moving to Las Vegas. All right, hold on. We're going to get to that in a second. This yeah. is amazing. So many things here. So let, let's talk about this. Because um, I just want to hear, I want to just kind of get into the psyche a little bit. You know, yeah. you're down now. Let's talk about chasing because every every gambler, whether compulsive or not, they're always chasing. They're always trying to just, if I could just get back to even, if I could just find a way this way, I don't have to worry about it. Talk about how the chasing was in your life, um, chasing losses, and, 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 and how that affected you to build up such a massive debt. Well, I've been chasing, it seems like, my whole life. Because once I lost my first million, I was just like so unbelievably upset that I said, I'm going to get this back. I have to get this back. So I tried and tried and tried. And I can honestly tell you, and this is so sad to tell you this, but in 52 weeks, I won one week. Okay. Um, because of the way that, because of the way that I bet, you know, and everything that I'm telling you and everything I did is documented um, on the way that I bet and what I did. So I was constantly chasing. I was constantly trying to get my money back. And, you know, once in a once in a great while, like I said, like that one week, I would have a huge week and I would think, OK, I'm going to do that again. You know, that's going to happen. Well, you know what? It, it never does. So with that win rate, what are you betting? Multi-team parlays? What, what kind of bets are you doing? Is this all straight bets or what's happening? Yes. So basically what I'm doing is, you know, when live betting came in, that was pretty much the crack cocaine, okay, yeah. for me. But, you know, pretty much all unders, you know, that's what I bet. I bet unders. I bet unders in first quarters, first periods, you know, and, you know, when I get to the end of the story, I'm betting like 120 plays a day, you know, with live play. But, you know, I'm just, I'm just betting all day, every day. And it just was so, so addicting. It, it had its claws in me that even though I knew it was killing me, I kept doing it because I loved the action. I mean, I really did. And it was more 
being in action than anything else, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. Would you bet games that you only could watch on TV or you didn't care as long as you could watch a ticker or something? That's yeah. all you needed. What? How, how deep did this go? Let me tell you how deep it went. When I was in a Jewish halfway house that I got sent to a year, okay, the one thing I couldn't do was bet or I would go to jail. And they give you your phone backs after six months if you don't get in any trouble. I managed to bet close to $430,000 when I was in the Jewish halfway house. And to answer your question, when the rabbi looked into my account and he saw my wagers, he looked at me and said, you bet $5,000 on an international women's Chinese basketball game? So, yes, I've been on everything from Chinese women's basketball to Russian ping pong to, you know, five-minute hockey games. I mean, you name it, I bet on it. It was just the action. There was no calculations. There was no thought process anymore. It was just to be in action. And with that false sense that I was going to one day win back all my money. Now, did this just go to sports or did you bet on any other thing? Like, uh, uh, did you go back to horse racing at all? Um, did you play casino games? Did you play lotto? Or was this was sports the only big addiction? I would say 95% sports. I was never a casino player. I mean, I would, you know, I would go when I lived in Vegas, I would play uh, Pai Gow and craps and, you know, and, and I had a little little time there when I was in San Diego because um, I was right next to a casino called the Lucky Lady that I spent, you know, maybe like three months playing Pai Gow every day. But while I was doing that, I was always betting on sports. So sports has always been my thing. Why? I, why? Why would I'll you? I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I thought people in casinos were suckers. I thought that the odds were stacked against them, that there's no way that I would be a sucker and play a game where the odds were stacked so far against me. And it turns out it didn't matter because I still lost just as much, if not more, I'm sure, sports gambling than I would have in the casino. So that's why I, I sports gamble. Did you believe that you knew sports well and that would translate to being a winning sports better just by knowledge of the game? I did. You know, when I first started this, it you know, for the first like 20 years of my sports gambling history, I thought I knew what I was doing, you know, and I would actually do research. I would handicap. I would, you know, look at the, the movements on the lines. I would look at the injury reports, weather updates. Like I was just so into every aspect of it. But I want you know, to tell, let's tell all the listeners what is all that shit that you did reading all that yeah. What is honestly is is that going to turn you into a winning sports better, Joel? Absolutely not. You know because you can't you can't put human element into anything that happens on a sporting event. So it doesn't matter. I truly believe Spanky, and this is going to sound really crazy. In my my time as a sports gambler, which basically was my whole life. I felt that God or whoever you choose to call your higher power had some, some form of hand in it because the way that I would lose the bets, it was, it was mental because I could have like an under, let's say in a, uh, in a baseball game, let's say the under over is eight and a half. 
it could be 2-1 going into the ninth inning. And as sure as I'm breathing, the uh, team's going to tie it up 2-2 in the ninth, and they're going to miraculously score like five, six runs in the 12th inning to make me lose. So it got to the point where it got so mental. It didn't matter whether I was doing handicapping all day, every day. Because I followed all the rules of my book, who was very sharp. He's like, never bet the, you know, the, the favorites like the Cowboys or the Patriots, where everybody loves those teams because Vegas and, and the sports books are putting an extra point on them because they know that everybody's going to bet those games. So I knew all the, the little things that the Sharps know. But it just didn't matter because I was a addicted gambler. I couldn't bet that one game. I had to have a hundred games each day because I was just just so hooked, and what, no, it was bad. So you just mentioned a, 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 a devastating loss, two one in the ninth inning, and then it winds up going over. Right. How do you? What's the reaction? Take us through that because I'm sure a lot of listeners have had that same experience. We've all had it. How did you react? And how did you? You know, what what did you do right after that? Or, so as I know. write in my books, bank because this uh, with the number of bets that I made, it happened to me almost daily. So usually, what would happen was the laptop would get broken because that would go smashing across the wall. Uh, phone usually got broken. A um, couple times I broke my hand because I was just so distraught and couldn't believe that this was happening again and again and again. Hold on, you, a couple of times you broke your hand? You broke your hand multiple times? Multiple times. I probably went through 12 laptops. I don't know how many phones. Probably like 10 or 12 phones because... That anger is so great when you lose something that you statistically should win. I mean, I'm talking like, I don't know what the live odds would be on some of these things, but it'd be like 10,000 to one that you're going to win. But some miraculous play happens and you lose and you're just like, oh my God, how is that even statistically possible that I just lost? And this would happen to me daily. And I just, I, I was telling someone the other day, I don't know how I didn't jump off a bridge, even though I was on a bridge trying to jump at one point when I got out of jail. But it was so mental. And what it did to me, you know, not only mentally, but physically was horrific. And that's the whole other side, Spanky, of, of the sports gambling. Besides the money is the, what it does to you mentally and physically. Let's talk about that bridge jumping ordeal. Uh, yeah. You know, you talk about it in the book. Um, let's take us to that because how did you get? You know, I understand. You know, I know a lot of the questions seem redundant, but you know, you know, now we're talking suicide here. Um, right. You know that that's that's different than breaking a laptop. How did right. you get to that level? Take me through the psyche that's going on. When did you? You know, and 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 what made you? What made you hold back and not jump? So this is what transpired, Spank. Um, when I got back from Vegas, I had no money. I was totally broke. So I started stealing from the, the customers that I had already sold to. Okay, l l let's talk about that. We're going to get back to that because I want to talk about the Vegas thing. All right, you're on lifetime probation, which is still a bitch because you still got to check in with a probation officer right. all the time. But you're in Vegas right now. What do you do? You have a couple of million to your name, maybe less yeah, than I two got million? About one point, I got about 1.7, I think, at that point. I... I go there, I think I'm king of the world, 
and I, I'm staying at the villa at the win. Okay. I feel like, oh you know God. what, I'm going to turn this money into 50 million. Okay. Nobody, nobody's going to be a better handicapper than me. So at first I just start betting. I'm betting, you know, on sports and I'm playing. What golf. year are we talking? This is 2015. Gotcha. Okay. Did you did you know Johnny Avello at the win, or were you friendly with all the guys at the sports? Yeah, club? I know all those guys, every okay. one of them. Gotcha. I, I was I was comped a lot of stuff. Okay. I so bet. as I'm there, I'm I'm losing, uh, you know, with my sports betting, my craps. I rifled through the first million, and I'm like, okay, I got to do something to generate revenue in order to stay here, or I'm going to be out of here quick. So that's when Joel the Jew Sports Consulting came into action. I'm Jewish, so that's why I named it Joel the Jew Sports Consulting. So I would get out-of-towners that were going to you know, the sports book, whether it's the Wynn or Caesars or wherever, and I would post up, and I would have a couple guys I hired post up and go, go over my system. You know, let them know that, hey, while you're in town, would you like to win, you know, couple hundred thousand let me show you how we can do it because most of these guys you know they don't know the first thing about sports betting and they're just betting on their hometown team so then when i start telling them about you know my analytics and you know i base things on umpires weather conditions how pitchers pitch to certain other you know batters that they're facing against they start listening Okay, so you're you're essentially, you know, this compulsion, then this is a crooked business, uh, obviously, right? So you you, you recognize that you're running a crooked business because it feeds your addiction. Everything goes back to this addiction. Yeah. Let's talk about that because a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of tout services out there that are crooked. And um, and most of the time they're crooked because it's feeding their addiction too, because they can't win betting sports, but they only could win selling picks. Um, and, and, and you went down that road. Who gave you that idea? Did you know any other crooked touts in the business? Let's talk about that. They're all crooks. Listen, the reason why they're selling picks is because they don't know what they're doing. You think a guy that is sharp needs to sell his picks? No. Okay. They're betting on their own. They're making their money and they're doing their thing. When it comes to the fact that they've lost, um, I don't want to name any names, or can I name names? Babe? You can name whoever you want. It's be better, All right. betters. All right, that's why I love you. You know, there was a gentleman called Vegas Dave, who is, I think, today one of the uh, most popular sports handicappers. Well, let me tell you something. Guys like that, you know, they've been to Gamblers Anonymous. Okay, they've been broke. And they end up doing sales and marketing to get people to buy their picks. Did you know him? Do you know him? I Yeah, I've met him before. Definitely. Were you, know, you a client when, of his? or what, no, were, no, 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 no. When, when I was in Vegas, he was there. And, um, you know, I knew right away just by talking to him that he didn't know anything, you know. And the funny thing is, when I was talking to him, him, you know, I come to find out that, you know, he was down and out and, you know, went to GA and wanted to quit. And, uh, you know, and then, like I said, he's a genius when it comes to sales and marketing. And he does very well with the younger generation through Instagram and Twitter and all of the, the new social networking. So 
Anyways, what a lot of these touts do is they'll have, let's say, 100 clients call on one particular day in one particular game. You know what they do, Spank? They give 50 one side, they give 50 mm-hmm. the other side. So now they got 50 guys that won. So the second game, what do you think they do? They give 25 one side, 25 the other. Now the 25 that are won, they think these guys can walk on water, okay? Because they mm. won two games in a row. Mm. So that's that's part of their, their pitch. And then they do the sales. Is this what Joel the like, Jew did? Is it the Joel the oh, Jew make? Joel the Jew actually did more of a honest way of living with <laughs> sports handicapping. I actually, I actually gave them my one pick that I liked. You know, I didn't go the, the route of these shady. Can you swear on this? You could do whatever you want, Joel. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Spank. I didn't go the way of these shady motherfuckers that lie, cheat, and steal, which obviously I've done my whole life because being a sports gambler, but I don't do it to other gamblers and I don't do it to people that are going to take my picks like they do. So this is a cautionary tale for anybody that's thinking or has been with one of these guys before. They don't know what they're doing. You could have a monkey sit down and pick 20 games, and I would bet on the monkey that they would get more right than the towel. Oh, makes sense. Fair enough. But obviously, Joel, you did have, you know, when these guys went up to you, because of your addiction, you had to pretend like you were a winning sports better. Right. But in, in all reality, you've never won, uh, you know, long term. So you have to, it's all, it's one of those things in which, you know, it, it's, you put up a roost, you, you have, you have to, and, and it's, and it's all just to keep feeding that addiction. Yeah. This gambling addiction is, is so, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a big thing like on Twitter and all this shit. Guys put up check marks when they yeah. check off their plays and they put a money bag. Oh yeah, here we go, another winner, another winner. And then occasionally the really really rat ones they'll fucking put an occasional X to pretend like all their picks are fully documented. You know they'll right. put up an occasional loser, but of course you know nine out of ten losers are never documented, and they pretend like they're they're, they're actual experts. And yeah. it's people that follow these guys blindly. Because they're portraying themselves as knowledgeable. They know how to talk a good game. They'll be able to talk about a game and make a case for any team that they want. But in all reality, these people don't know shit. They'll never be able to be winning sports bettors. That's why they don't make a living betting on sports. They make a living talking about betting on sports. And it's sick because given my situation where this is they're trivializing the profession that that I've done for the last 20 plus years. So it's a sick, sick thing that's going on. And, um, and I'm glad, you know, you being one of those guys at one point is here yeah. to expose that shit and to realize how devastating it can be. It, As yeah. Joel the Jew, did you yeah. ruin people's lives? Absolutely. You know, I was a fraud, just like these guys. They're all frauds, you know. And it all goes back, like I told you, Spank. I did things that I, I can't even believe today that I've done to stay in action, to bet on sports so you're very brave joel for coming out and, and admitting this um i know it's not easy and um you know i mean i know you're trying to sell books but you know what it's real what you're going through and you're being honest and that's all that matters and i think if you could just touch one person's life that's why we're doing this you know I, i'm in yeah. this podcast 
this podcast, I'm, I'm known for bringing on the best of the best professional sports betters, the best bookmakers in the world. And, um, and I said, you know what, let me find somebody that will tell you what not to do. Yeah. Everybody tells you what to do. And Joel, this is why I think it's important because to be a better, better, you don't have to have just the, the, the roadmap on what to do to become better. How about what not to do? And I think you um, are the epitome because sometimes people just can't help themselves. And sometimes to be a better, better is not the better at all. And I think yeah. that that's something we want to push across here um, to be able to push out to the audience that it's not for everybody and things can get real, real dangerous and really real um, if addiction comes into play. When you ruin, when you say you ruin people's lives, how did that feel? Let's just say you gave a guy a pick, he bet the whole right. fucking money and shit, and then he loses. Joe, what did you do to me? How could you do this to me? Did that ever happen? Like, did guys come up? To oh, you? yeah. And I what do you say? But at that point, at that point, Spanky, when you're addicted to, to sports gambling, it's it's all a sales job. You know, you, you try to sell them again. Not only do you, you know, not feel sorry for them, you try to get more money out of them. I mean, Incredible. it is such a crazy, crazy life. You know, now looking back at it, you know, now that I haven't bet in six months, I'm just like, how the hell could I have done something like that? I mean, and that pales in comparison to some of the other things that I've done just to be in action and do what I have to do. And, you know, it's it's really sad that, like you said, the, the touts or people that, you know, are frauds that are selling these picks. Not only do they ruin people's lives, but they put a, a bad a bad taste in people's mouth. Because, for example, you I know you you are the real deal. You know, you are a sports gambler. You know exactly what you're doing, and you make a good living doing it. So there is something very noble and worthy about what you do and your profession. So I understand that you get upset when these frauds try to tarnish it. So what I'm trying to do with this book, it's, you know, yeah, if I make a couple bucks off the book, you know what? That's fine. But that's not why I wrote it because I do okay with my business. I wrote it to save people because there is a small percentage, maybe 5% of the people that will become ultra addictive like I do. And they don't stand a chance. And what's going to happen is going to be textbook. They're going to end up gambling. They're going to end up first losing all their money. Then they're going to borrow from their family or friends because that's the first line because those are the easy people to manipulate. Then eventually those people will get sick and tired. Then what happens, Spank? They need to get money. They want to stay in action. What do they do? Now they got to steal. They got to be frauds. They got to do all the things that they never thought possible that they could do to people and they do it. And then what happens after that? is they either go to jail, commit suicide, or end up in a loony bin. And I've been in all three. So when I was, when I was on that bridge, getting back to that real quick, mm -hmm. is that I was facing three to five years in jail, and I had just got out of jail. So and what was the I, what was the charge? What were you? What, what did you do? Fraud? Like what you fraud? Yeah. What what exactly yeah. was the crime? You know, I what I would do is. Um, I would take money from customers without doing the work. So, for example, no, no, this is not customers in the tout business. This is in your landscape. Oh no, 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 no. I, yeah, I, I the the tout business. I end up getting basically 
I, I got broken off in Vegas. I had nothing left. I mean, I was done. I was homeless. I went from the win to homelessness. So I had to borrow $47 to take a Greyhound back to San Diego. Oh, my God. And I had nothing, but I still wanted to be in action. I still wanted to feed the animal. So I, I, I had no money. I had no, no business anymore, but I had the database that I had. So I was, you know, talk, calling people and convincing them to buy my service. And, uh, you know, there was no service anymore. And they would give me half up front. And then I was going to get the other half when I finished the job. What you job? Know, what went, are we talking about? What service? Well, at this point, I went from, you know, just aerating lawns to doing pools and fences and stuff like that. Now, you have to keep in mind, I had 20 years of rapport with these people. I mean, I would aerate their lawn four times a year, every year for 20 years. So these people love me. I mean, I was in so good with these people because I have the ability to, you know, be like a chameleon when it comes to sales, right? It's all about commonality and building up rapport with your potential customers. And I think nobody's better at that than me. That's why I'm always successful when I do the right thing and I do the sales and I actually do the work, which I do today. But, you know, there was that time frame after Vegas where I didn't do it and it caught up to me. I go to jail and I know nothing about jail. Okay. I've been in trouble in and out of trouble, but I never actually went to jail jail. Okay. It was always like I would be in a holding cell for like, you know, eight hours and I would get out. This time I went to jail and I'm in San Diego, a little white Jewish guy. And I finally get to my cell and, um, I, I don't know what to do. I'm scared. I'm scared out of my gear, Spanky. And this is where gambling takes you. And I'm reading a newspaper because now it's like lunchtime and everybody's out. And a black gentleman asked me for the newspaper. And I said, okay, here you go. Because I, I, you know, I love everybody. So I gave him the newspaper. Well, wrong move. Three white guys shuffled me to the cell quicker than you can bat an eye. And they said, if you ever give, and they, they use the N-word, Anything like that, again, we will fucking shank you, meaning that they'll stab me. And I'm like, what? What's going on here? Why not? There's like, there's rules. You got to follow the rules. The whites stay with the whites, the blacks with the blacks, the Mexicans with the Mexicans, and the others with the others. And I swear to you, Spanky, as sure as I'm breathing, I look at this guy, six foot two white guy that's basically got me by my neck. And I look at him, I'm like, real meekly, I say, what the fuck's another? And he's like, are you playing with me? I go, no, I don't know what another is. He goes, well, it's, you know, Asians, Middle Easterns, anybody that's not white, black, or Mexican. And I asked him, and I'll never forget his face. I said, is there some sort of handbook that I can read or something? So it it all goes back to the gambling. So anyways, I'm on the bridge. After I get out, I get bailed out finally after three days of complete hell. Um, I, I owe about a hundred and I don't know, maybe 150,000 to bookies at this point facing three to five years. I don't have family. I don't have kids as a sports gambler, as a compulsive gambler, you don't got time for anybody you're, cause you're gambling. I mean, you know, it, it trips me out to see people with families that are addicted gamblers because I don't know where the hell they would have the time cause you're always in action. So I'm on the bridge and somehow, some way the cops come 
And the cops like, get off the bridge. You know, what's your name? And I gave him my name. He must have typed me in. He's like, oh, you know, we know your story. You know, you've been in some trouble. We, we see here you're a gambler. They had all the notes. They said, let us, let us talk to you. You're going to be fine. Let's go to Starbucks, get some coffee. It's going to be good. So I believe them. I get off the bridge. You think they took me to Starbucks, Spank? No. No. They throw me in the fucking car and they put me in a loony bin. And I had to stay there for 72 hours. So this is just, this is just some of the things that have happened to me in my illustrious sports gambling career. So that, you know, and, and none of this stopped me from sports gambling to, 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 the, to, the, to up to six months ago. I was still gambling after all of this. Wow, Joe, this is just uh, amazing, um, you know, just, just to hear these stories, man, and rehash them. And it's just, um, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, it, it's so brave that you're able to do, to come out and, and, and talk about this and, um, and to be where you're at. Um, you know, not to go over, you know, because you're pretty easy to go over this, this whole list of, of things that you've resorted to, right. but, you know, lying, cheating, stealing the whole nine yards, um, fraud, uh, uh, tricking your customers that you were going to do work. Um, you know, you know, how bad did it get? Like, what was the worst thing you could say? And then, and then maybe, you know, uh, uh, did you ever go back and apologize or, or did you ever uh, make amends with some of the people you fucked over the years? You know what, Spanky? Here's the deal. And, and, and in, you know, true transparency, thank God I never did that up here in Los Angeles. Okay. I've been very forthright with my customers, even when I was gambling. But to answer your question, there's so many victims that I've had, you know, I, I wouldn't even know where to start. I mean, there was just so many people. So to make amends to everybody would, would probably take me the rest of my life. But, you know, if anybody's out there listening that, you know, was in my, uh, uh, in my way or, you know, one of my victims, I apologize, you know, you know, I, I, definitely took a lot of money and took advantage of a lot of people and once again it's all predicated on the sports gambling and i don't want to you know sound like one of those guys that like you know sounds uh like a, a, a blamer oh it was the gambling it was the gambling you yeah, what, 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 do you, what do you say what do you say to a listener that says this guy's a real piece of work he's a piece of garbage and all he does is blame it on the gambling what do you say to those people you know what? There's nothing I can say except, you know, I'm being 100% transparent. You know, you can call me a, a scumbag. You can call me a dirtbag, whatever you want to call me. But at least I'm, I'm owning up and I'm telling you what I did. And I did my best to try to ride the ship. And now, you know, I give back. Now I do things out of my way to help people. So, yeah, I believe you, Joel. I, I believe yeah. that you, 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 you've turned it around just because who would write a book and, and, and admit all these things um, for book sales? It just doesn't make sense. You run a successful business. Yeah. Now, you're currently running that same landscaping yeah. business. Uh, uh, oh, no. No, what happened? And in, in once, once again, Spank, I don't need any accolades from the book or, you know, money from the book. It's simply to put my story out there because now that they've legalized sports gambling in so many different states, 
there's going to be, like I said, a small percentage of people that are going to end up just like me. So if I could save one person for going down that rabbit hole, yeah, then I it. did my job. Absolutely. Yeah, but, Absolutely. Know, my business up here is, you know, in San Diego was aerations only. It was poking holes in the lawn. Up here, it's sprinklers. We're in a drought, so the watering is very important, and I employ very good people, pay them well. They do great work, and I've been very blessed. And, you know, the verbal skills that pay the bills that I have have always made me some decent money. But for the first time in my life, I can honestly say that not only am I delivering the product to them at a good price, but we're going up and beyond to helping whatever drought or whatever type of issues that they're having with their properties to get them on the level where they're going to be water efficient. Awesome. Do you owe anybody else on the street or you're all clear? No, I'm good now. Good to hear. You made everybody whole? Yep. Everybody's whole and I just really... I'm just at a point, like I said, where now that they're legalizing this and I've, I know every angle of sports betting, just like you, you know, we're old school. We, we, we've seen the, the writing down of the plays from when you had to call a bookmaker to fast forward to 2022, where you can bet 500 propositions on one game. So I know now that it's a lot more accessible and it's scary to me spank because now they're advertising it everywhere and before when we were kids right you would have to go and you would have to find it you would have to find a bookmaker you would have to talk to people to get to it now you don't have to i guess the only good thing is you're not going to catch any beatings from the state <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah but you and you got to post up so that keeps you in check yeah you only can bet money that you have Let's let, let, let's talk to the guy that's listening right now that says, Joel, I feel I'm relating to your story. Um, I, too, have a problem. Um, is Gamblers Anonymous an answer? Does Gamblers Anonymous help? What other avenues can I go down right now to help me um, with my addiction? What do you say to that person? First of all, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that what needs to happen is they need to stop before they start. Because once you start, at least for me, and you know, if you have my type of addiction, it's nearly impossible to stop till you hit rock bottoms. And I'm not talking about just getting evicted. I'm talking about a real rock bottom. But if you really, really have had enough and you've broken those laptops or you've broken your phones and you're just so sick and tired of being sick and tired, then there's a couple things that I would highly recommend. One, tell people, okay? Tell them. There's a lot of good people out there that will help you. Go to Gamblers Anonymous. Go find a sports therapist, okay? There's people in every city that specialize in it. I got a really good one out here. His name's Dan Fields. He has a, uh, a website that if you go to my website, neveroughnoughzeros.com, you can connect to him. I believe, and don't phrase me on this, it's nomoresportsbetting.com is the, uh, the website. 
Um, but you really have to be vigilant about it. You know, my book, writing my book, was my that was it for me. That was my life saving event because I had just had enough that day after that loss that I just kept writing and writing and writing and writing. So there is definitely help out there. I mean, the only reason I tell you try to, you know, don't start is because it's really difficult to quit, but you can, if you really have had enough and you're sick and tired and you just got to hang on. And I'm not trying to, you know, (laughs) solicit my book, but go to Spotify, go to never enough zeros. I'm telling you, you listen to Spotify, you read that book, you will not want to gamble again because you will hear true life stories. Oh, 100%. I even told you the first time, you know, before we did this interview, Joel, I told you reading that book was depressing. Um, yeah. It, it's a depressing read, um, but it's real. And sometimes yeah. um, you, you got to get a dose of reality in there, um, despite how depressing it is. To, to understand that gambling addiction is real. And um, and I'm pretty sure everybody that's listening to this podcast, they've already started. There's no such thing as don't ever start. They're already there. So they need, you know, tell right. people, Gamblers Anonymous, um, Dan Fields, or no more sportsbetting.com. What is that called? A sports uh, advisor? What did you call that person? Dan, what, was he, what are they known as? I think it's no more sportsbetting.com, but it's Dan Fields. He's a professor at USC, and he will go over everything with you, not only, you know, helping you quit, but he'll tell you how the brain works, you know, the inner lobe or whatever it is and, you know, why you're doing it. And he'll break it down to you. And he's seen the extremes of the extremes. And, you know, I work with him very closely once a week, you know, and he'll actually have me talk, Spanky, to to kids that are, you know, in this addiction, you know, 24, I talked to a 24 year old kid the other day, you know, out here in Los Angeles, he had moved out here from Ohio, you know, his family, very wealthy, we're paying for everything. Well, you guessed it. He gets, you know, caught up in a bunch of lies. They cut him off. He's evicted, you know, and, and he's just crying and he's upset. And he, and I talked to him, I actually went to him and I actually paid off spank one of his bookies. That's how much this kid touched me and reminded me of myself. He was a young Jewish kid. I'm like, listen, I'm going to help you. I know how to talk to these bookmakers. You know, they're, he owed three, you know, it reminded me of myself. You know, I paid one of them and I talked to the other two and I worked deals. Cause I, you know, we know the game, you know? So I found the website, stop betting sports.com. That's it. Yes. Now, I don't know. I, I can't listen. I don't know about this, but you say he's a good guy. Dan yeah. field is his name. Uh, therapist specializing in gambling addiction treatment. Um, so, look, we, we, we're trying to, you know, it's all fun and games until somebody gets hurt. It's all fun and games until somebody gets addicted. And um, I think it's so important that you nip this in the bud sooner than later and um, and understand that it's okay. Listen, nobody's perfect in the world. Um, everybody, uh, you know, falls into a hole, is up against it behind the eight ball, you know, every now and again. And that's right. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Tell people, talk to people. Um, you know, if you're depressed, it's, you'll, you'll figure it out. I think it's so important. And I just, I think for you to come out, Joel, and to come on my podcast, I really, really appreciate it, brother. Um, you've been clean now. How long? No gambling. Six months, six, six, a little over six months. And can I say one last thing? Go baby, go, let's do it. So 
I, I just, you know, I'll close with this. You know, you hit the nail on on the head, you know, nip it in the bud. You know, catch this thing before it, it gets to jail. Catch this thing before, you know, it gets to suicide or insanity, you know. And if you're already heading down that road, like, you know, you've been evicted or you owe like 12 different people, that's a sign that you need to get help and you need to stop right away. Spanky, you're different, right? There, There's guys like you that you know do this for a living you're called professionals you have experience you know what you're doing people like you are very few and far between so realize not everybody's michael jordan so that's that's all i got spank no it's crazy because look i didn't really realize how gambling addiction how deep it went you know in my business joel obviously i can't bet in several sports books and i'm banned everywhere so i have to rely on beards to be able to right. get me down guys that are posing as betting themselves right. and, 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 and interacting with some of these whales that we flip, we call flipping whales where these guys are super whales and some guys are just down and out and they just want to start winning again. They're not really addicted, but we have encountered some really, really addictive guys. And, um, and, you know, when me and my partner, Chinese Mike, he talks to them, it's, it, it was eye opening. Like this shit, like I've never seen it before and and in reading your book and talking to you and you being so open and honest about this shit this is as real as it gets it's fucked up man like this is this is this is some crazy it's crazy out there and all those sports books they think that they could fucking put a 1-800 gambler fucking thing on the bottom of their website thinking pretending like they give a shit about you they don't give a shit about you just like they're not gonna book sharps and they're gonna fucking limit us to three dollars and 42 cents they will take every penny of your money until you're fucking dead broke because you're a sucker they pretend that they care they pretend that they're gonna oh yeah we're gonna have a cool down period and all this other bullshit it's garbage they don't care they are are, are, are a lot of them most of them or if not all of them and i i can't you know it just it's a business right they need you know the the, the biggest the, the, the biggest degenerate like joel soper is the ideal customer and yeah. and even yeah. and they don't care if joel soper is going to go on a bridge tomorrow as long as we get his money today fuck what he does tomorrow we don't give a shit we just want to get his money today and that's how they feel so you can't go to these sports books and think that they're going to cut you off and they're going to help you no you have to seek outside help what do you say to that joel i say you're a genius and let me tell you why i think you're a genius spanky because you had the courage to have me on your program and you just showed not only the public, but everybody that's listening to this podcast that, yes, you do this for a living. Yes, you are experienced and you're very good at what you do. But yet you care about the people. You care about the gambling addicts that aren't in the same class, like I said earlier, as someone like you. You are putting it out there. And I can tell when we talked on the phone yesterday, it, it, it hurts you so bad to see people's lives end up like mine. And you were like, I can't wait to talk to you tomorrow because even if we can help one person, Joel, I'm going to be so happy. And when you were telling me that, Spank, I'm just like, wow, this guy that's like just the ultimate gambler that, you know, knows everything and everything about sports gambling and winning he also cares about us people that are the opposite and he doesn't want to see us hurt spanky i swear you are 
you're, you're different than most people. No, you know, I, I, I appreciate it, Joel. I'm, I'm just, you know, we got to care for each other in the human race. That's just how it is. And, and again, look, I, I, let, let, let's be real here. Let's bring it back down to reality. I'm not a saint by any means of the imagination. Right. And, and, and for me to, you know, for me to profit and to continue doing my business, sports will have to make money off guys right. like you. That's just a fact, right? right? So, yeah. you know, so there's no doubt about it. But at the same time, um, I just I, I hate the facade of that they give a shit about um, about caring uh, and trying to stop compulsive gambling. They don't care. I hate the, the, the way the tout business works and a lot of yep. these guys putting check marks and money bags and and, yep. and having undocumented records where they're yep. not only taking you know they're taking money out of these out of these guys and, and these guys you know they'll see a pretty face and a beautiful girl or, or or a good looking guy and think that this or a guy that looks like a mops or something to think of that. He has all the answers to the sports betting world, but in all reality, the guy's just a, a, a master salesman, like you said, a master marketer. He doesn't know shit, and yeah. um, and this just it, it, it takes money out of the ecosystem, and um, and it hurts everybody. So it just it's a sad thing. Even people giving out free picks, like even people giving out free picks that don't charge any money, they think, oh, I'm just giving out free picks. It doesn't matter. Guess what? Those free picks, unless they're documented, unless you're a documented winner, you're ruining people's lives. You think you're not you think you're just doing okay i'm just helping out or just entertainment purposes only no you never make put that disclaimer for entertainment purposes only you pose as an expert you pretend like you know your shit but in all reality you know nothing you could never win betting sports that's why you just bah, 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 you just talk all day because you can't win you just talk you, know, you think you know the players names you think oh yeah i could talk about this angle and that angle but when it comes down to reality you can't win betting sports you talk about betting sports and i'm talking to all the social media all those misfits out there, the pretty faces, everybody, you're all frauds and you're ruining people's lives. Put that disclaimer in the beginning. Let it be known that this is for entertainment purposes only. Let it be known that you are not a long-term winner. Let it be known. And then let, if people still want to, but don't pose as an expert. Don't pose as somebody that pretends like they know what they're doing because in all reality, everybody knows you're a fraud. Not everybody because there are still some people right. that are blindly following this shit and it's sick and we don't want people jumping off bridges because of this shit. That's no good for anybody. Well said, Spanky. Sorry, Joel. I go off on a little bit rant because I really I'm passionate oh. about this. This is my business. And um, and listen, six months clean. Joel, before we go, I want you to give everybody the name of this podcast is Be Better Betters. Now, usually I would ask somebody, give us some advice on how to become a better better. I want you, Joel, to give us advice on how you're gonna remain clean for years and years from now what are you gonna do how do you stay clean because listen it's not easy this is something that you've been doing since you were 16 and now you six months that's not a long time and a football season just started so coincidentally you went clean when football ended you know what i'm saying or when march madness ended right now Tell me, Joel, how are you stopping yourself? Because other people want to hear how you can be not just not, not a better, better, but how you can be a non, not, not a better at all. What are you doing to stop yourself? I want to hear it. Well, here we go. Things like this, Spanky, doing podcasts. I've been doing a lot of um, news articles. Um, I've been doing a lot of talking um, Dan Fields had me go in front of his class at USC. Um, you know, I'm just trying to talk about it as much as I can, because the more I talk about it, the more I hear myself, 
the more I realize how it's ruined my life, how, you know, physically, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm 51 years old. I'm the youngest in my family and I look older than everybody in my family because of all the mental stress. Um, you know, I have no family. I have no kids. I have no significant other. I missed out on all of that. I didn't learn anything. You know, I'm just now learning how to clean. I'm learning now how to cook. I didn't even know anything. I mean, I, nothing, Spank. It's, it's sad that at 51, I'm having to relearn things. So to answer your question, I'm talking about it. I'm promoting the book. I'm, I got a hobby now. I am playing tennis. Um, I'm getting back to the gym. Uh, whatever I can do to stay you know, active and stay occupied is what I'm doing. But, you know, I'm just one day away, you know, like you said, football's here and that, you know, everybody loves to bet on football and it's hard, man. It's really hard. And I'm never going to sugarcoat it and say, you know, I'm never going to bet again. I mean, I hope I'm never going to bet again, but it's, it's, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. I mean, I love gambling more than, than anything in the world. And so for me, not doing it it, 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 it hurts because I wish I could be that regular person that could bet, you know, one game a week or, you know, one game a day or whatever, but I'm not built that way, unfortunately. So, you know, I'm just doing what I got to do, Spank. One day at a time, my friend. Listen, you have a friend in me. Um, if you ever have a problem, if you want to talk, um, I'm here for you, man. Um, and uh, I wish you nothing but success. The name of the book is called Never Enough Zeros. Um, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble. Um, I'm pretty sure ever books are sold. It's a tale of tragedy, inspiration, and the struggle against gambling addiction. Joel Sopa, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. You're so welcome, Spanky. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for the time. Until yeah. next time.